podcast. I am back from my travels in America, and I'm very happy to be joined by Freddie and Nigel as we dissect the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which happened yesterday. It did happen. Was that a good thing? Well, we will find out later today. But first, Freddie and Nigel, how are you both? I'm doing well. Uh, well, my, that's great, Freddie. <laughs> my mum's got COVID, and I'm living with her, so I oh. might have COVID. I'm finding out, like. I feel fine, so that's good. I'm interested to hear about your travel. Like six cities, is it in three weeks? That's like mad. And how did you find the money as well? Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, you don't need to go to the money laundering. The, uh, <laughs> the accusations are not true. Uh, no, it, I don't know. It was money that I'd save through COVID and also money that I am going to like. Um, back i didn't go into depth but like yeah kind of money that i was happy to spend for a not once in a lifetime but a yeah not many not very many times in a lifetime trip but yeah it was fantastic i think san francisco has made me my favorite that was amazing la was really good because people had said everyone we'd spoken to had said i didn't live up to expectations and we had a great time and yeah we just enjoyed it all really and uh i'm also very happy to be home now like it was a lot and now I'm home and I've got a home's worth of stuff. And I've not even started unpacking yet. I've just been like doing, I've been unpacking a bit and getting back into being at home. So yeah, it's been a weird one, but I'm very happy to be back. I'm looking forward yeah. to yeah. being back on this for the first time in a while. Thank you for holding yeah. the fort and to Freddie, uh, uh, not sorry, uh, Henry and Charlie last week, because that was a very fun episode and I enjoyed yeah. Nigel's. Um, it, it was so fun. They loved it. You could tell from their face, <clears throat> especially Henry. He was absolutely loving it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. dream of both of theirs, I know, for a long time. Well, considering Henry's already been on two episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Two? Yeah. Oh, did we split it up into two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was too long. Um, mm. Anyway, at risk of this turning into a winging F1 planning meeting. Um, yes. Shall we talk about the Baku Grand Prix? Yes. So, was it a good thing that it happened? Well, what? No, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, of course it is. It's an F1 race. Yeah, it was, it was a good F1 it just race. Wasn't, it wasn't the best race, was it? it no, it wasn't the best race. After, after Leclerc retired, it did, did die down quite a lot. But the first half was exciting, and that alone probably has given us a lot to talk about. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, it was fine that it happened. I mean, even if you have a boring round, I mean, what? <laughs> what a weird question. Um, <laughs> well, something I'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Adam, you've been really, really thrown off the, off the side there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, you know, it's one of those races you can still get really excited for and that kind of thing. And I think, and I think I've said this a few times, the problem with Baku is people expect it to be mega and it's not going to always be like that. If you look at lots of races, they have a switch. But before that, they don't have that excitement. So I think there's a few examples of where it's been pretty mad all the way through. I think you can look at 2021 having a really good start, a really weird middle and a really good end. 2017 as well. With the rest of them, which people go on about, oh my God, crazy stuff happened happened with five laps to go and that kind of thing. So I think it's it's a harder one to kind of, and you know to kind of think oh it's going to be crazy all the way because it's not it's not the case but it was a really cool track to see these 2022 cars on i thought i was very interested in the way they were operating there um i think the porpoising we'll get on to because that was 
pretty brutal. I think we said in our preview podcast talking about it when you get to a bumpy track with a long straight like Baku, it's going to be a nightmare. And lo and behold, we were proven right, unfortunately, for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely it's definitely a race saved by the storylines around it. And I think we have a few of those every day, every year in F1, where there's a lot going on in F1, but not necessarily on the track. But that's fine because that's part of, you know that's part of the drama of sport. Yes, and the main storyline coming out of this is four Ferrari powered cars retiring with reliability issues, including both Ferraris who were running at the front of the race when the retirements came and Leclerc loses out on another big point tour. That's that and Barcelona that he's missed out from the front now. And yeah, he retired on lap 21. So alongside that, there was Kevin Magnussen and Guangyu Zhou both retired. So is this a worry for Ferrari? How concerned should they be? I think they've said that they are worried already. Oh, I'm very worried. Yeah, go, go on, buddy. So yeah, I'd be I'd be terrified of this because like um like you say, second race in three in the lead where you've broken down from it. Um really not very good. I mean, yeah, whether Leclerc would have won this race, we're not really too sure, but we know he definitely would have won Barcelona. And that's pretty frankly not nice at all. And what made it even more terrifying is science had an issue so early on as well. And whether they're similar issues or not, we, we're not sure. I think it was a water leak thing for science. I'm not sure. And then just like a full-on failure for Leclerc, like an old school kind of failure. Um, but then to have a similar issue in Magnuson and a similar issue in, in Joe, I think it's being reported, but I'm not entirely sure what the Alfa Romeo problem was. Um, that's But both Ferrari engines cars is pretty, pretty unencouraging makes you think okay that's great we, we've discouraging we've got the pace but um we don't we can't race and it's been a it's, it's like a new form of ferrari's problems earlier on in the year in a way in a sort of poetic way where you've got um earlier they're able to obviously take pole so well but then they weren't able quite to have that pace to hold back red bull and now it's just like you know what it's like the ferrari car saying the same thing on the qualifying pace which is like and now we just can't hold the back because we can't finish the race. So it's just, who knows what they'll do next? Maybe they'll just, the car will just won't be there or something. It'll qualify and pole and it'll vanish. Like, how will it shoot itself in its own foot in the future? Cars don't yeah, have just, to, it's you know, so frustrating for Leclerc because he's driving absolutely brilliantly. He's been the driver of the season by a long way for me. Uh, and he's, done, he's doing everything right. And he just and it's not his fault that like, the car can't make it to the end. Uh, and I think he talks about it almost feels like three DNFs in a row because the Monaco fourth place that was really tough to take as well. So it's just and, and we for us as well we want to see a championship battle. And now Leclerc is quite far behind. It's now Rebel one two in the top of the championship standings. Uh, and we know Verstappen, or Verstappen is likely to have the upper hand over Perez, despite this kind of media push that Perez might be a championship contender or whatever, which I think is nonsense. Uh, so we need Leclerc to be <laughs> like doing well to win races, to 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 take four pole pole positions and not win any of them in a row is unacceptable. 
obviously, it, that cannot be happening. It's not happened since 2002 in Montoya. I think the only time before that was Nicky Wilder in, hmm. I can't remember what year. It was in the 70s or 80s, obviously, but yeah. it was, those are the only two times were, well, when it's happened. So, and it, if it happens again in Canada, then they can forget the championship. It's, it's, it's almost like they're not ready to win a championship Ferrari. And it, it makes me think, Red Bull last year when it was their first championship battle for such a long time they managed to get so many things right and in the, in the last three races Ferrari have shown that they've got lots of things wrong and they're going to throw it away at this race so for Leclerc it's just so so frustrated and Sides as well you know yes Sides wasn't fighting for the win but he was definitely in the hunt for a, for a podium so yeah it's annoying that was the big worry coming into the season about Ferrari was, it, it, you know, we spoke about it on the podcast is they look great on paper, but it's Ferrari and can they win the championship? And these aren't, you know, necessarily, you know, problems that could only happen at Ferrari, but for a team that's not been fighting at the front for a few years and not been in like serious championship contention for a while, then it's kind of all the concerns that we spoke about at the start of the season coming true, I think anyway. Oh, totally. it's, it's, it's almost like they've got a stereotype, but it's it's, it's true. It's, it's happening. Yes, it didn't happen earlier in the season, but they are falling away with every race. And, and as we know, the pressure at Ferrari can get really high, and that can lead to even more mistakes. So that is the, the problem if they get themselves into this vicious cycle. Yeah, they'll, um, they'll just... I don't know if they've, if they've been running the engine higher recently, whether it's um, they've just been... Have discovered a kind of flaw in their engine that they've just been that they've needed to un, uh, unleash to counter the speed of Red Bull. They were able. I mean, I think the, the encourage. If you want to look for encouragement, um, Charles Leclerc was able to hold Verstappen behind on the longest straight in the Formula One calendar, even with DRS for a lot of that, um, a lot of that first stint. So. That's actually quite encouraging for Ferrari if they can then just hold it on. But I don't know, it's just... Well, I think if we go back to our sort of Melbourne kind of time where Verstappen had retired from fighting for the lead in one race and then potentially, well, being second in another, and we were like, oh, wow, it's a 46-point lead. Leclerc's got on Verstappen. Let's be honest, we've got to then focus on other drivers for this, like Science and Russell, perhaps. Um, and now that's all turned. We haven't had, we've had lots of niggles with Red Bull. We haven't had that kind of issue. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's every chance to say that it's just too close to each other for these two retirements for Ferrari. Maybe. But I mean, they have finished races. They finished in Monaco and they obviously finished the first four races, five races. So that's that's the only thing you can really look for. But yeah. it's, you can say we finished those races, but you've got to finish these ones as well. And then you've got to win. So, mm. I think the problem is Red Bull's issues. They weren't engine issues, were they? They were, uh, was it fuel pump one of them and something else? Whereas, whereas Ferrari power unit problems are a lot bigger. And I, and I know for Azerbaijan, the club are kind of mixing the PU1 and PU2 bits because uh, the, the PU2 was used in Spain and that was no PU1. I can't remember, but the Spain engine, yeah. some bits were broken and they had to mix it for this weekend and stuff. And then that's going to probably have to continue for most of, most of the season as well. And he's going to take red penalties. So 
they're just going to have to hope that this is the low point of their season and everything else will be going, you know, going back towards how it should be. But it isn't looking that promising, fortunately. More talk of tactical group penalties. I cannot wait. Um, and coming up next is Canada, which is a lot of straight. It's about six chicanes, two hairpins, and the rest is straight lines. So, yeah, it's, as you say, it's one to watch for there. Freddie, do you think it's must win for Leclerc and Ferrari? Um, I don't know, because it feels like of all the tracks where they can't have afford to have a must win, Canada and latterly after that Silverstone are the ones which they can kind of afford have understood that are so rebels. So kind of like as long as they win all the ones after that, then it's must then that's kind of fine. But I mean because I think this is if there's any race you would think is Ferrari for sort of the past two months, you think, well, we're probably gonna have to sack off Canada. But I think I think it's getting to the point where they can't afford to sack off Canada. So I think yeah, I think as I speak out, it's as must win as the race which they probably could have finished third in has to be. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me, so that's all right. Yeah, I think it's must podium. I don't think it's must win because I don't... What They're 34 points behind at the moment. I think another seven, eight points if he's able to finish second. I don't think that is insurmountable. I think if, if they miss out on another big point all again, then... You know that's a much more serious conversation, but I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think the eight to eleven point maximum difference that you could have from that is going to be terminal. I think, you know, if if they're in a, I think that the you know the thirty four point gap at the moment is much more insurmountable and significant, mm. and if they get back to that point where they lose the championship by six points, then we'll look back on it. But yeah, I don't think it's must win yet. Oh, there we go. But having talked for a while about the team that didn't win, let's talk about the team that did. Red Bull got another one-two like they did in Spain. And it was quite, a, after the early tension, then it was quite a chilled race. There was a bit of um, flip-flopping between Perez and Verstappen as they were on different strategies. But by and large, it was quite a chilled-out race for them. Perez ended up with the fastest lap, so he's happy. And Verstappen ended up with the win, so... He's happy. Is it just a happy weekend all round for Red Bull, Freddie? Um, it very much kind of settled into its positions. Um, we know Perez took the lead at the start very well. He qualified very well. and But I think he just didn't... He cooked his tyres a little bit and then was had to be a bit slower. And Verstappen just was nailing the way he was operating his tyres when he was behind the Ferrari. And when Verstappen was let loose, his pace was fantastic. Um Came up past Perez easy. It wasn't even didn't even need to have no fighting told to Perez because Verstappen then pulled two and a half seconds clear of the next lap. So like the Verstappen's pace over his teammate in that stint of the race was fantastic. So deserved to be ushered past, um, and then didn't look back because that was just the case. I mean, there were Rebel were even. <laughs> They had slow pit stops, but it was just kind of like, well, they're allowed to have a slow pit stop and things like that. That's how in control it was for Red Bull from then, from then on um, for both drivers. And Verstappen wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't hitting his marks on the lap times. Um, Perez was probably. Um, 
but either way, they're sort of just concertineering out from each other. that's the wrong word, just moving away from each other. Because um, Verstappen's pace was just really good, really metronomic, really phenomenal. I was really, really impressed with just the way he just drove that race from the front. And, you know, fair play to Rebel and Verstappen because they really deserved that race win. And for Perez, his pace wasn't amazing, but his pace wasn't bad. So, you know, he got the fastest lap of the race. And nailed it i'd forgotten they had that slow pit stop that's how low pressure and low stakes the race was after the two ferraris retired yeah um, i mean i thought yeah i think they both had slow pit stops and was it i think it was the first pit stop so mcclure would have still been in the race i think uh yeah i think Perez's was five seconds for Stafford's was three seconds but in the end it didn't really matter uh the did what he does best and uh just outperform Perez in every department on Sunday, I think. I think, uh, yes, he's saying that he's not quite at one with the car in qualifying, but he's still only, what, a tenth, half a tenth behind in, in Q3. So if he's not completely comfortable with the car and he's, and he's still within a tenth of, it, tenth of his teammate, then I think that said a lot uh, about how possibly even more to come in qualifying or, or future qualifiers. So he's doing all, all of the right things, and he's really just kicked on. I, I think for uh, Stafford. So yeah, there wasn't much more he, he could do. I think Christian Horner said it was a very mature drive, and that's exactly what what it was really. So yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like last season what was remarkable about Stafford, Verstappen was that he was he was doing all of the difficult things really, really well, and standing up to Hamilton in that respect, and you know out outlapping him in quality a lot of the time and now it just feels like he's winning by nailing the easy things it feels a lot less kind of a lot less impressive but that's just how how the season's gone it's just been you know i don't think he's needed to be at the same level because of the misfortune that's been striking his rival at the moment whereas last season it felt a lot more kind of tooth and nail fight for every inch at this stage um I don't think it's any unimpressive. I think it's really impressive the way he's winning. I think he's I think he's winning in a dominant fashion. I think there's an entirely different way of rating it. Yes, because he's not in a wheel-to-wheel duel consistently. Um, but I think I think he's still getting a shed load out of himself and in the races, his performance has been phenomenal for me. I've been incredibly impressed as opposed to not as impressed. Oh yeah, I don't I, I may be worried that I don't think it's been an impressive. I just think it's kind of last season. It was a lot more obviously impressive. I think I last season is a really hard one to compare any season to. Um, mm. I think when when we're all sat in the middle of a season, halfway through it, going this could be the best season of Formula One ever, no matter what happens in the next five or six races. And I think we'll all look back on it in that kind of way. It's a very very different one to compare to, and I think that's been that's taken a lot of. And for a wider debate, I think a lot of people by surprise with Formula One this year, they've gone a bit like, oh, okay, it's a bit more normal this year, but it's still actually pretty good season, in my opinion. Um, and it's just that last year was such a sort of beefy year. It's entirely, entirely different kind of thing to look at. I think I think if you're talking about sort of the, the different challenges that were there, yeah, there were different challenges, but that's you know, that's what you get when you're already world champion now for this to happen. Um I think he's so more, so much more self-assured, which just makes it look a lot easier from the outside. But it's still winning races from, from not not from the front. So that's that's very good for me. 
Verstappen, in a way, in terms of impressiveness, Verstappen's championship season last year can't be more impressive because it was his first title fight and everything that happened with the fight. That can't be more impressive. But now I, I think Freddie is right. Uh, this year is still in, still is impressive, just in a different manner. It's a bit less dramatic than uh, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, after all, he can only you know do his best, maximise the his car, and that's what he's done over the last what four, five races, I think. So, so you know, uh, if you do that in the front in the car that can win the championship, then you're going to win the title at the moment. It looks like Verstappen is on his way to doing that. Anything else you want to add about the fight for the lead or the front two runners? Oh, well, I think we're going to get on to whether we think Leclerc would have. How Leclerc would have been with that strategy they were playing at. I yeah. I think he would have had a chance. I think especially with the second virtual safety car when it happened happened lap thirty two lap thirty three. That would have been, I'm guessing he would have pitted then. Would have got yeah. a cheaper pit start. And if he comes out ahead, uh, yes, he would have been on mediums. I think because I don't he only had one set yeah. of hards for the race. I think he would have given himself a fighting chance. So I wouldn't. I, Red Bull still might have been in a slightly better position because Verstappen might have had a bit more race pace. But I think Leclerc, the way he can defend and the way he can uh, manage his tyres... And attack. He would have given himself that, that opportunity. I think, I think similarly, um, even if there hadn't been a safety car or a pit stop kind of position, I think they could have extended that hard seat quite a long way and done... Because what was happening with the medium was it wasn't really lasting. You could do a good sort of 10 laps on it. So I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd done sort of 12, 13 lap stint at the end on the mediums and being able to, again, like Nigel says, fighting chance. I think it would have been very close and very interesting fight. Um, and I think, I, w- I think, I think to be honest, based on what I said earlier about the Ferrari being able to hold back the Red Bull and DRS, I think the Ferrari probably could have had a fighting chance of fighting through with DRS on the Red Bull, actually. Um, and I, you know, that's the only time I really feel like I've been able to say that this year. Um, so fair play to Ferrari on that front. So I think it would have been very interesting. Um, sort of by the time he was retiring was where I kind of thought, you know what, this could actually work. Because based on the gaps that weren't really fluctuating too much between Red Bull and Ferrari and um, even with their different timings of pit stops and so on, I kind of thought, you know, that's actually, this actually could work. And then he retired. And it was kind of like, ah, ah, why did I look at that? Damn. Um, but anyway, I think it ties back to what you said earlier, Freddie, about the difference. Yeah, in... we, were, we were kind of robbed, we were robbed of that. Oh, nice. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just had a moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it kind of ties back to what you said earlier about you know the difference in between a good and bad race in Baku often can't be that much and can be a retirement that does or doesn't happen. And this time it was one that did happen. And if he hadn't stayed in, I think we would have had a great fight for lead. And I think we would have had. Charles Leclerc winning. And I think what have been would have been really refreshing in Baku would have been to have a good fight for the lead that wasn't, you know, oh, he's got a safety car, now we'll have a fight for the lead and that kind of thing. Yes. I think that yeah. I think that was on the cards. I think we've had that before in Baku that's then been ruined, which was 2018, where Bottas went long and then took the lead really well against Vettel. And then there was a safety car, and then because of the rebels crashing each other, then Vettel um got a, locked up when he went to the lead and then and then Bottas got a puncture and then somehow Hamilton won when he'd been nowhere all race and that kind of thing. So it was 
only in that race now you know that sort of long form race was actually really really intriguing it wasn't very exciting until the end because of the way Baku works but it was really intriguing the 2018 Azerbaijan Grand Prix and I think that could have been a similar vibe for this race but it wasn't to be and we just have to place bets on when we think the Ferrari is going to retire in Canada to be honest to see if it will be similar to that <laughs> Roger, whether the Ferrari's retiring in Canada. We'll wait till the end for uh, that. Lap one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Wait for the, can't wait for the Canada preview five minutes at the end of this. <laughs> Austria 2020. Round, so, outside of the top two and the other two that were the, the top two, two <laughs> then, yes, then Mercedes had a decent race in the end, finishing third and fourth the second time they've done that this season. And, it, you know, it was just, they had awful, especially Hamilton had awful porpoising. They both had pretty, um, really rough races, but, it, you know, they just got on with it and they ended up with third and fourth. It's a great result. Hamill, Russell's was, well, you know, on the face of it, a lot easier. He stayed higher up through the race. Hamilton dropped down on a different strategy and then came back through. So, Nigel, what do you make of Mercedes' race? I think Russell earned himself that quiet Sunday with a great qualifying in order to beat Halton by two tenths on a difficult track. Uh, second consecutive weekend, or well, that's third consecutive weekend, he's probably beaten Halton on pure pace, I'd say. Uh, and as for Hamilton, uh, he got, well, he had a tougher race because I think the first pitch stop he ended up coming out behind Vettel and then with the Mercedes straight line speed, which is also a concern, I think, because in the DRS and slipstream of Esteban Ocon, yes, he had a tiny rear wing on. Uh, Hamilton was losing time on the main straight, which I've, I don't think I've seen too many times before. You know, DRS and the slipstream and going backwards behind the car. So that's also a bit of a concern there with uh, whether that's engine or drag or both, perhaps, for Mercedes there. But Hamilton did come through in the end, over to Gasly to make it uh, P4. So the result is great. That's better than what Mercedes could have hoped for. The actual performance uh, is beginning to look like Barcelona was a bit of a one-off, to be honest, with the pace that they had there. This is a bit more normal, I guess. I mean, yes, Monaco, that's an odd track as well, but Baku is a bit more of a normal track, and Mercedes was, Mercedes was still bouncing a lot, as they were in Miami and uh, Imola and places like that. So... Uh, yeah, and I think, as Russell said, after the race, there is no short-term fix, so we can expect this in Canada as well. So, there's not much more they can do to drivers. I mean, they keep going on about how if they do sort out the four percent, they'll go one second faster, which uh, is great, but they need to sort it out. And it Just looks like there's no yeah. easy solution at the moment because if there was, I think they would have found the solution by now because it would, would just be what eight races. So, yeah, it's kind of at that stage where there's definitely no chance of the title right now. You can, <laughs> yeah. can win some races in the second half of the season. Yeah, this concept isn't allowing them to not porpoise really. Um, mm. and that's that's basically what has been being said for the past four or five races, let's be honest, apart from in Spain, where it looked like it was maybe okay a bit. Um, But um, I think, yeah, the execution of the race, if we take that as a separate thing, like Nigel said, George, very good, very good, very easy, 
just slots into P3 very well. Um, and yeah, Hamilton then had to obviously give a bit of a gap in a double stack, which compromised him um, with the AlphaTauri's and Vettel, um, who were all having very good races at that point. Um, but, you know, his pace was consistent throughout. Um, I think they did go for a second set to supremacy, but um, um, it obviously didn't really work in the overtaking stakes. But Halton was one of the few people who was able to overtake an Alpine at one point in the race. So you've got to kind of give him some kudos for that because their speed trap figures were mighty. Um, yeah. They were just going for roadblock track tactics, which at various points in the race was working. So, um, which is a bold tactic in Baku. Um, but I think, yeah, it's hard to say anything new on Mercedes because Nigel's just summed it up in the way that we've been summing it up for so long now. Both drivers did pretty good jobs. Russell did a very good job. Um, strategy happened. And I just felt immensely awful for Lewis Hamilton after that race. And I just thought, goodness me, get that man in an ice bath. Please just stop filming it, to be honest. And now it's plastered all over social. It's like, God, this man is clearly in pain. I don't want to see this. Um, and things like that. Um, it's, it's just... Uh... Which is really upsetting that actually, I thought. Yeah, I I just can't, you know, I know they're extremely well paid and doing a job that lots of people in the world were killed to do, but it's just I can't imagine just, you know, turning up turning up to each weekend and turn, waking up each Sunday knowing that every bone in your body is gonna try to be shaken out of its joint mm -hmm. by the end of the afternoon. Like it just must be so, you know, as as much as they clearly enjoy being F1 drivers, it just not depressing, but just just feel like such a chore to get up and know that you're just going to be bounced around for two hours in the afternoon, and that's there's nothing that you can do about it. And you you know to have any type of competitiveness, then you have to do that and push, really push your body to the limit to be able to finish fourth. Yeah, we've all done we've all done all three of us pretty much arrive and drive karting and things like that, and the seats for that are pretty sizable, and we're all quite slight fellas, and. Like, if you don't have an insert on that, you're sort of getting thrown around in the back. Then I remember doing that for the first time in a long time and not being able to really bend over for, like, three days. I had cuts on my back and things like that. So it's kind of like, you look at that for, from a perspective, it's like, Jesus, back pain is a big thing from 10 minutes of karting. So from three days of porpoising, Jesus. That's the only way I can really quantify and relate to it. Um, but, yeah, it's just like, God. Mm. And Sir Lewis Hamilton is a gentleman now. He's a, you know, he's, a he's not as young as he once was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not. 37, man. Come on. <laughs> exactly. He's 37. He's not 23. <laughs> Freddie's big, only 36. Big difference. Yeah, I'm 36. That's what I'm talking about back pain. <laughs> That's because you've been carrying this podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> there we go. Um, Glad someone's admitting it. <laughs> I haven't been on the podcast to admit it. Um, yeah, I think Mercedes, I hope, you know, I I just hope they can be competitive in the second half of the season because like you said, Nigel, it's not, if there was an easy fix, they'd have found it by now. But yeah, I just, I'd, I'd like to see more at the front of the race than just Red Bull and Ferrari. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be that somewhere down the line. But for now, it's not looking, not looking great.
Infanages up next, as I say, and that I don't imagine that will be quite similar yeah, characteristics. I know Hamilton's got a great record there, but I don't think that'll be a particularly enjoyable afternoon for him. Mm. But there we go. It's the job they do. Um, moving on to the rest of the kind of front runners that weren't the front runners. We have Pierre Gasly and Sebastian Vettel in fifth and sixth. Vettel just pitted on lap nine and then went all the way, which I saw him spin out on one of his first laps after pitting, and that was the last. I just didn't notice him for the rest of the race. And then it's like, oh, surprise, and Sick Freddy, you were following his race more closely than I was. So do you want to give the lowdown on that? Yeah, so I, when I saw him go off, I thought, oh, well, this is the end of it. He's going to be right at the back because when we obviously, you see some people go off at turn three and you think, oh, okay, well, they've got to sit right and wait till 20 cars have passed before they can get back onto the track. Well, 10. Um, and then they're at the back. But um, with Vettel, what happened was um, he did such an impressive return to track. I thought, well, fair play. He's still in the fight then for a lot of it. He's only four seconds off where he was. And you kind of look at that and think, actually, that's only four seconds off where he was. It's kind of like, it's just like people have pit stops better than that and we don't bat an eyelid where they are in the race and that kind of thing so it's kind of like i kind of he was still in the same shot as what they were showing with hamilton versus ocon and things like that and he was just he was closing up actually pretty quickly so i paid attention to that and he still finished sixth so i thought fair play seb because you've managed to um managed to get up there stay there and not drop out of the points even with a a mistake that's you know a classic backing mistake let's be honest but not one that you should be making in a race and because you're just missing a breaking point by a mile whether that was because he was looking at Ocon or not it makes it a bit more forgivable but not you know it's wheel-to-wheel contact you should um, racing you should be able to figure that one out and you know it probably would have been fourth place if he hadn't had that spin I think we could safely say yeah possibly yeah think about it they, they probably could have because he lost what six or seven seconds from that he also lit up his rear tyres a little bit, but managed mm. to keep on going. Uh, yeah, with so, that, with that, yeah. he kept the tyres very well. It's a really good point. And yeah, Gasly also used the same strategy, but he didn't spin. He <laughs> did on lap nine, or so went all the way to the end uh, and saw the checkered flag. He had his, he was very strong in practice. Had his best qualifying of the year, then had his best race result of the year, and it's it's great for Alpha Tower because they've been quite quiet for quite a few races now. So. For them to have turned off fourth weekend was no, well, not for uh, well, if you if 20 if you count for our own, not, but you should count it on that. Then, <laughs> yeah, then, that, then that's great. So, for them, uh, and Gasly, it kind of revitalized his, his season almost. And Sonoda as well could have had a really good result, but unfortunately, that uh, when his rear wing. Decided to cut itself in half when it opened DRS. Yeah. That uh, hurt his chances a bit because I think without that, he would have definitely been seventh, possibly sixth. I think so probably sixth. It's, mm. it's a shame that he didn't get that chance to you know get one of his one of the best results of his career. Yeah, mm, I yeah. I really felt for Sonoda. I thought he he looked good and he just he seemed dialed into the car and to the track and then yeah, it, it's just really really tough. It's you know, Alpha, Alpha Terry, I think they've just been quietly underachieving this season so far. And this was Gasly's first point score in four races. And they've still not double point scored the whole season, I don't think. And no. this was a great chance to 
like make the most of that finally and then you know they're seventh in the constructors i think that there's potential for them to be higher than that and again it's just kind of something something has cropped up which has meant they haven't which but you know still good for gasly i'm not taking anything away from him yeah they've been operationally struggling a bit but they've really mm. they hit a sweet spot this week and they can carry it through because um they were a really fun team to watch in the hands of gasly last year hopefully they can be up there with Sonoda and Gatti because yeah like we've been saying Sonoda has been pretty mighty this year and, and definitely holding his, his his own for a Formula 1 seat obviously so it seems to be fairly no-brainer that they're both doing very well and it's a shame that things have gone against them and that finally finally at least for Gasly it worked out um, but yeah on, on to the next one for them Well, on to the next driver, and behind the behind the ones we talked about already, you know, the Aston or the Aston Martin or Vettel, the two Alfataris and Mercedes, whatever. Guan Yu Zhou seems to be having a great race and a great weekend. I think he was running in tenth, and then he retired, and that was that was that. It's another Ferrari issue, Ferrari powered issue, but I think he just deserves a word because he was doing well up until that point. So, which one of you wants to give the Zhou word? Yeah, I'll give him I'll give him a note. Um, because he was having a very good race. I think it's his I want to say it's his first race he's out qualified Valtteri Bottas in. Um yeah, it was by a couple of tenths. That's you know, not bad. And it was, you know, it was a good race. I mean, I think he pitted early and he was coming through the field and he overtook quite a few every time you cut back, you see Joe just driven past someone way before the end of the straight. So we clearly had a setup that was working for the race. And um and it was a shame when he retired because I think he with with other retirements as well, obviously, but I think he could have been in the points and where sort of around ninth, tenth, where Esther Alcon finished, and I think that would have been a well-deserved points finish for him because he has had a a difficult time with it. He hasn't had the pace that he's shown his first race in all of them, but then sometimes when he's been doing okay, he's had retirements, and that seems to be the case again here. It's been a very, very um, niggle. Niggle full season for um, Alfa Romeo, let's be honest. Um, even with pace, they've fallen back quite a bit with a few things. So hopefully, hopefully this is Joe can take this under his, his, his wing. That's the wrong phrase. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? Add another string yeah. to his bow with this performance personally and can continue to grow as an F1 driver, albeit slowly. Work those yeah, I mean, it's the first. Oh, God, it's the first time he's generally outperformed Bottas for most of a race weekend this year. So, to do that for the first time was a big thing for a rookie. So, taking that confidence from it, even though we didn't get the result, uh, that you know we'll, we'll have to see over, over, the, over the next few races. But uh, it's a good thing it's happened because for some rookies it doesn't happen. Sometimes they just don't outperform their teammate at all. But it has finally happened now for, for, for Joe. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this is the start of upward, upward curve for him. Yeah, it's kind of the point of the season where it's kind of like, all right, you've had your bedding in phase now, mate. That's yeah, that's it. And I think, I think, yeah, he, he earned himself a bit of a bit of um, everyone looking away with his first race. But I think, yeah, it's time to be looking back, and it's a good race to be looking back at him really from based on that performance. I think looking back, uh, it's what eight. <laughs> Eight races in, this would have been halfway through the season, you know, when we started watching. It's, it's great point. Um, 
So, yeah, and the other, speaking of drivers outperforming their, I guess, senior um, counterparts, there was some drama at McLaren. How much drama? I think, Nigel, I don't know whether you'll have something to say on that, but uh, McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo, was able to run with Norris, but that did cause a couple of problems. They were told to hold station um, each way round um, at various points in the race, and neither McLaren seemed or neither McLaren drivers seemed that happy at the end of the race with how things had gone. They finished eighth and ninth from qualifying, tenth, eleventh, I believe, and you know with a few retirements. And it's one of those. But Freddie, what was your take on that? What do you, do you think it was untakeworthy? Um, I think, yeah, we discussed this prior to the podcast. I think it was very much just one of those sort of things that happens later on in race coverage. Where it's kind of like, oh, they're having conversations. There's nothing happening in the race. Let's just let's just pay attention to it, which, you know, you know, is fair enough. That's kind of what they need to do to make the race kind of have a bit of stuff going on at the end of it to keep people's interest peaked. And, you know, for the start of it, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe. Um, maybe there's going to be a little thing in a few laps if they're clearly closing on... Um, whoever it was who was in front of them. I can't remember. I think it was Alonso. Um, and then maybe they'll need to be a bit of a kind of a switcheroo to see if they can get through. Um, but then it became pretty quick, clear pretty quickly that there wasn't really a pace difference between the two drivers or between them and Alonso. They were just cars driving around while having an argument about overtaking each other. And for me, that was just a bit kind of like, well, you're just not doing it properly just focus on driving and maybe you'll be able to get into a DRS for Alonso. But Alonso was apparently chatting random crap on the radio going like, Oh, this is all I've got. Ha ha ha. I'm driving faster. Um, and it's just kind of like McLaren, come on, just this is the, probably the first time in a long time, both their drivers have been near each other on track and which is very good, very good for the drivers. They've both been on the similar pace, which I mean, from that kind of perspective, it's good. Whether it was a bad weekend for Norris or a good weekend for Gardo, we don't really know. But I think let's just be honest and say, yay, two drivers in McLaren performing at the same rate. Um, and just get the double points finish. Just focus on it and don't cause a rift in your team unnecessarily. But maybe they did. Yeah, I don't think it was too much of a story in it, really. I think the only thing that confused me was... The first time round, when Norris, uh, when Ricardo was told Norris uh, won't let you through because he was fighting Alonso, yet when Norris did pit, he came out quite a bit behind Alonso, so that didn't make much sense to me. That was the only thing that confused me. But apart from that, I think Norris, you know, asking to to try and get ahead of Ricardo, that's just a bit of an F1 driver ego there, wanting to beat your teammate, but then the team did the right thing by telling him to hold position, which he did, uh, and he didn't really get that close to each other, either. They were always more than half a second apart by the time he got down to, down to turn one, so not watching it. It wasn't exactly 2018 Red Bull fireworks, uh, and McLaren, they would just be happy to get some points, because they didn't quite have to pace at backing, so yeah, I think they'll take the result that they got. And any of the drivers, either of you want to mention before we go on to Canada, which I'm very excited about? I mean, I think it's been a very bad weekend for the bottom three. And I think we all know who the bottom three are when you think you stroll Schumacher Latifi trio triumvirate. They've not really had a good kind of showing at all in this weekend. I mean, 
I think Mick's been a little bit kind of shaken by probably his huge crash in Monaco and also by everyone sort of saying, stop crashing, Mick. So he's like, okay, well, I've got to drive like a metre away from every wall. And when the walls are only a metre apart, you're kind of like, oh, damn it. And so I kind of think there's... Powers. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think Mick's having going into into his shell a bit, to be honest. And um, I think Stroll and Latifi just had poor weekends. Um, I just don't think they were just... I think... It, like, it's a weekend that's kind of not not that they needed to be exposed, but it's just like a it's it's a weekend that's kind of worked even worse in their favour. And I don't like dunking on drivers and things like that, but and it was very clear that Nigel does. Um it's very clear, I think, from this podcast that I'm kind of the eternal optimist on a few of these guys. But it's just like, I don't know, I feel like it's becoming increasingly clear how out of their depth these guys are. And the regulation change hasn't helped them in that regard, but you know, other drivers are coping. So, um, yeah, I think people might be thinking, listening to this, thinking, oh, well, those three drivers are always bad and stuff like that. But this weekend at Baku, they were their pace was absolutely nowhere, like it was a lot worse than, than normal. And I think that's what Freddie's trying to kind of get out there, whether that's confidence, whether it's the mindset or the track or something else, it's difficult to say, but. It was a lot worse than, than normal for, for Stroll, uh, Latifi and, and, and Schumacher. So, uh, not looking good is, the, well, probably an overstatement. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. yeah, it's, and, you know, it, if confidence is the issue, then Canada, another kind of pseudo street track coming up next, isn't going to be great for them either. So, yeah, it's, Tough times for them. And it's, I mean, Latifi, I just didn't notice Latifi. Like, he's just, he's just bad. Like, and Stroll, Stroll hit the wall what, three times over the weekend, twice in qualifying. So, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just tough at the moment. And uh, yeah, we'll see. He's at his home race, next race. But as I say, I'm not sure it's really the one for him. Freddie, you want to jump back in? I mean, as is Latifi at his home race. Um, but, um, Stroll, you know, I mean, I, I suppose you've got to congratulate him for hitting the wall twice in, in five minutes. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we really want to reach for reach for silver linings and stuff like that, Adam's now hit a wall, so he's going to go and hit it. And there we go, he's hit it twice. There we go, brilliant. Five for audio seconds. listeners, you just, you just heard Adam hit a wall. Um, but um, I just think it's it's uncomfortable. And I think I think... <sighs> We used to see driver changes quite a lot mid-season and things like that. I think seasons are too long now for to have a driver there for all year. I think for a 22-race plan, 23, but 22-race season this year, it's just a bit kind of, if you're a team, it's a, diff, it's a bit embarrassing, really, to have that for that long. Like You can completely change your fortunes around like that, like by getting Kevin Magnussen in, in space of Nikita Mazepin. So... The drivers are there to perform. It's, it's just obviously the myriad of factors that come with the one-on-one sponsorship and the Safina sponsorship and the, oh, my dad owns the team sponsorship. So it gets a bit kind of complicated, but it's 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 annoying, really, really annoying, because I don't... Th- if you sat on a board of one of these teams, you've got to be asking a million questions. million questions. Well, Nigel spent the entire first season of our podcast calling for a mid-season driver change, even though it was the start of the season when he was calling for it. So, yeah, it's 
we've got history. Hey, um, it's us guys doing the podcast, all right? We're not we're not jumping out, even if Nigel wanted <laughs> us to jump out right at the start of the podcast. We're not going to. Well, he was successful last podcast. Um, but moving on to Canada, which I am so excited for the return of Canada. I think it's a great race. There was last time we were there was the Vettel Hamilton incident and Vettel moving, changing the numbers around at the end of the race, and it just you know there's there's been bad races, but in my mind it always delivers, and there's been some absolutely fantastic stonking races at Canada as well, and. It's, a, it's probably the track I've missed the most over the past two years where we've had COVID calendars, but now it's back. I am very excited. Freddie and Nigel, can you match my excitement for Canada? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Um, I think... No, I, no, I love now. Canada, obviously. Um, I think people go on, oh, yeah, Canada, that's a track you can overtake at, and then no one overtakes. Um, it's, it's a brilliant track. I think it's going to be interesting to see with these new cars now that can follow a bit closer, because I think there was a bit of a past 10 years generation difference there which made a little bit too hard for some cars to get by but um there's been some like you say some absolutely mega races there and there's been some you know really forgettable races there um so hopefully we're gonna have a bit of a memorable one it's a good fun qualifying track definitely with close walls and high speed it's you know really good really good track and it's nice to i just like a I just like the track. I mean, I think I'm just going off what Adam was saying. It's just, it's just a fun track, and it's got a bit of F1 history to it. We've got Lewis's first win there, and so on, and so it's just a nice place to be going back to. Afternoon, evening race as well, which I haven't had since ages. But I don't know. It's yeah, it, it's just just a nice feeling to the Canadian Grand Prix. It's it a like weird point in the calendar, but that works as well weirdly. And it's like tradition. And it's one of not many trucks that are still there from when I started watching Nigel. Sorry, I've cut in on you. I, I don't think I can match your excitement. Uh, oh, God, I speak. Excitement levels, Adam, as you can tell from my voice. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it'll be, I don't know. It's, it's a weird trap because it's just canes and straights, basically. So, yeah. It's all about change of direction. Top speed obviously is obviously important. And on paper, it should suit Red Bull a bit more. So, you know, that is why these results for, for Ferrari recently, so painful because they knew Ferrari, uh, Ferrari Canada was going to come up. So, so yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great track. Loads of great moments there over, over the years. And glad that F1 is returning there after three years. Mm. One one thing about the nature of these chicanes, sorry while I stop being able to speak, um, is that That's they're quite high speed chicanes. For a podcast, <laughs> they're quite high speed chicanes. It's sort of a similar kind of thing with Hungary, where it's always used to be considered very slow speed in the corners, but actually now with the modern cars, they're, they're sort of medium speed corners. And I think these chicanes are very fast chicanes, and with these cars, it's going to be very interesting. Because obviously, we've not been there. We've had two years of development for the twenty twenty the 2017 to 21 generation of cars. So it's going to be interesting to see how these cars go through those chicanes. Cause I think it could be, you could have some very loose moments for the car that's following. That could be very interesting and quite a bit of, bit of a laugh to watch or a bit perilous. And earlier in the podcast, Freddie was saying he thinks it's going to be tough for Ferrari to match Red Bull here, Nigel. I feel like you said it's a must-win for Ferrari, but I can't remember for certain. But do you think it's a? Where, where do you think the? Uh, where do you think the balance of power lies? And 
do you think it's a must win for Ferrari? Uh, the balance of, balance of power lies with Red Bull. Uh, must win for Ferrari? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. That's what I'd say. Not yet. Any other bolsters that either of you want to pick out from the pack? McLaren, I think, could be all right. Um, I'm just basing that on Australia form. Um, I also don't know. How will McLaren through the speed trap this weekend? I didn't really notice. Not great. Not great. <laughs> quite, quite doing in like the bottom eight, I think. Right. Okay. I think Alpine could be. Alpine had a good race this race, but we kind of didn't mm. talk about them. But great point. Yeah, yes. I think Alpine could be uh, one to watch, but. Hmm. Have to watch them. Maybe yeah, maybe they're my <laughs> fifth and sixth. It's a um, great. It's a great point to say Alpine based on Australia. When I said McLaren based on Australia, and Alpine got Alonso in Australia, like mm. he had a lot of pace. So I think, and that's a really good shout. That, um, but who knows? You can't judge Formula One. You can't not judge. You can't figure it out. It just does its own thing. No, we've spent over 100 episodes judging F1 but yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember who guessed lap one for, for both Ferraris going out Freddie what's your prediction for Ferrari I think they'll make it to the end of the race hey optimism whether they'll win it is a different if, question if it's a Red Bull 1-2 then it doesn't matter yeah exactly yeah <laughs> I still think it'll be a Red Bull 1-2 okay uh, I'll I'll go Red Bull win Leclerc second. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go the same. But I don't. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. Predictions don't matter. Predictions don't matter when you're this excited for a race. I hope yeah, it's forget about like, them every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we never, we but, never look back at the predictions and be like. Oh, look at that. He predicted it, right? Uh, there was one. Miami, I nearly predicted right. And then uh, and then I didn't think it was Perez and Science fighting at the end. That If it had gone the other way, then I would have got the full podium. But yeah, that's one race in 50-odd that we've done. So, you know, not got a great record. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for it. I hope you are to the listener. But we will be back with a review of hopefully a very exciting Canadian Grand Prix that is living up to my hype next week on Monday, most likely. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.